Hello and welcome to So Top with Bryn and Rich. I am Rich. And I'm Bryn. And we are recording again tonight because our child has gone to sleep and we have some time to sit down and talk about our favorite things, the things that we find that are so top in this world. So, how are you tonight, Bryn? I'm doing well. How are you tonight? All right. I'm a little bit worried about the kiddo. I'm he's He's got some sniffles. He's got some coughing going. Hopefully, he's all right, though. Yeah, he's been a little snotty, for those of you who have been wondering. But tonight, we're going to start off by talking about something that happened to you this week that was so top. What do you have for us, Rich? This was a rough week. Um, I mean... I missed you while you were out of town here oh. going to a conference and that, you know, that caused a bit of extra stress and uh, the child was a little upset that you weren't around and stuff. He missed you. Um, but this past week, um, I guess the good thing that is really happening is that session is winding down for us in the library. The The volume of work is, is calming down a bit because... Most of the big stuff has already had its hearings and stuff like that. So people know what they're going to say. They don't need us to be doing research to help them figure out what they're going to testify about. Uh, So what about you? Well, this week I was at a conference for work. And while I did miss you and Finn very much, I think that that's probably my so top. I drove out to Pittsburgh from our home in Maryland Um, And probably the reason why it was so top is because last summer I did a two-week intensive research boot camp for librarians called IRDL, and they were doing it online for the first time ever since there was a global pandemic that still is happening. Um, So I spent two weeks getting to know these different librarians who were doing research, but I never actually got to meet them in person. But there were about 10 of us at the conference, which is so many. Um, So it was great to get a chance to meet all of them in person and go out to dinner with them and just talk about research and libraries and our lives. And many of us were presenting or had posters. So I'm going to call that my so top. That's a good one. It sounded like you had a nice time and they looked like a good group of people to hang out with. Yeah, I mean, I also I have to mention the fact that... I didn't go to this bar, but one of the librarians went to a bar nearby and witnessed the most ridiculous drink ever being made, which was made in made separately and then poured into the rear end of a bird-shaped glass. And then they put a straw and a feather in the back of the bird-shaped glass, put that glass into a bird cage with some greenery on the bottom, and then delivered it to your table. So I think just knowing that this is a drink that exists is also uh, something super duper fascinating. The service has to be very slow. I can't imagine they can get that out to the table very quickly. All their drinks were bizarre. It's like, what does smoked ice taste like? I don't know. Smoke? I don't... Yeah, I guess so. I just don't understand. Yeah. Anyway, Google Glass Bird Glasses if you want to see how weird it might be to drink out of a bird's butt. Mm. All right, well, our topic for this week was one that I selected. So I'll give us the rundown here. Uh, The rules of engagement tonight will be your top museums in Washington, D.C. 
and they have to be in the city limits. Uh, we did put a little extra caveat on here. It has to be a museum, not a historic house. But if it's a historic house, if it has been turned into a museum, then maybe that's okay. But it has to be more museum focused than a representation of the house. Right. And no monuments either. So no Washington Monument, no Lincoln Monument, no Jefferson Memorial or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Monuments might be uh, a future episode. Perhaps. Yeah. That might be fun to talk about. Uh, we just have to pause for a second. I think we just heard our cat coming down to the basement. She yeah. does not normally come down here. I'm very confused. And she appears to be confused as well. She's sniffing a kite. I'm sorry. This is very strange. Yeah. Okay. I got distracted. Anyway, um, Rich, do you want to kick us off with your number three museum in D.C.? I can. Uh, so my number three, I think it, it's... It's a museum that you can't frequent unless you're very sick or troubled, but it is the uh, most important museum, I would argue, in Washington, D.C., and that is that should be mandatory visitation for everybody once they're of a certain maturity. You're making me feel like we have the same number three, but I'm going to let you go. So my number three is the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. Of course we have the same number three. Of course we do. Okay, you kick us off. What do you want to say about it? I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it on the list just because it is a very intense experience. But because it's so intense, uh, that is the reason why it's on my list. So I went... When the museum very first opened, and I don't think teachers in middle school quite understood how intense of an experience it was going to be, and it rattled me to the core of going. And um, and at that time, they gave you a little book, like little card that was like your ID card, and it contained a brief bio of someone that was in the Holocaust. And at the end, you went to the research library and you looked the person up to learn whether they survived or died and whether they and where they were and uh, if they did survive, what they did after. Um, And that was brought you gave you a very intense personal experience. And it's. The museum also serves an incredible reminder of what happens uh, when there's a severe conservative backlash to acceptance and progressiveness. Uh, Because if if you're not up on your history or if you haven't seen uh, the musical Cabaret, uh, you would understand that Berlin and Germany as a whole was a very liberal, very open and accepting nation until uh, the Nazis somehow gained power and this conservative backlash. And it's a very, it's a chilling reminder as to what can happen. Yeah, I think the same. I didn't go, um, I did not go in middle school. I definitely went when I was a little bit older and I'm pretty sure I dragged my whole family there as I am wont to do with museums that I desperately want to go to. And it was something that I was very interested in going to, but it was hard for me to get to. I think their timed tickets 
like the tickets were free as a lot of museums in DC are, but the time tickets were hard to reserve. So it took me a while to get there and to get there with my family. Um, But yeah, I think everything you said sort of in your preamble to naming your museum was really one of the reasons why it was mine. It is such an experience and it is one that really stays with you. So it has to be in the top, even if that experience that stays with you is something that makes you sad upon reflection. I just remember um, there's like a hallway with pictures hanging all over it that was found in people's abandoned suitcases. Well, abandoned in people's stolen suitcases. Uh, So it's all these family photos that you just look around and see looking back at you. And it just evokes a lot of feeling. In college, I took a class on um, art and the Holocaust and really trying to understand how people, how artists can try to begin to represent some of what they experienced or some of what their family members experienced through art. Spending a whole semester on that was uh, a deeply intensive course that, you know, brought up a lot of sadness and reflection about the fact that something like that could happen in our world. But yeah, that's definitely in my top three. Um, The museum itself, like Rich mentioned, has a lot of unique features. um, And I think it really should be required visitation for anybody who can get to DC to see some museums. Yeah, I have very stark memories of the Room of Shoes. Yeah. And then the the initial elevator ride in. So we they rang a bell, like like a like a fire bell, bell, and you had to cram cram the whole class into the elevator. And the elevator is going, and I mean they've I believe they've tamed it down, uh, but they would be, you would hear recordings in German that were directions of what to do. And then the elevator would stop and the lights would go out and the doors would open. And the very first thing you saw was a picture of dead bodies piled up. Mm -hmm. And just with the caption of what the American troops found when they liberated Dachau. Yeah. It shakes you. You, 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 you have no ability to prepare yourself for what you're getting into with that museum. And... It's an experience unlike any other museum I've ever been to. But it has to be number three just because what I like out of a museum is being able to repeatedly visit and experience something new. And I don't think I can bring myself to just go, oh, well, let's let's pop on down. Yeah, let's go stop by the Holocaust. Yeah, that's not happening. You really have to be in the right mindset for it. Um, I know this podcast is called So Top, but that does not mean that we are always going to have some positive stuff. And this was a little bit heavy. So let's start uh, moving on to our next one and see if we can get a little bit lighter. Do you want to give your number two or do you want me to go? Uh, Why don't you give your number two? Just in case they're the same again? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, my number two, um, I was an art history major in college. I do love art. So I really can't say that a visit to DC is complete if you do not go to the National Gallery of Art. There is so much to see there. There are two different wings connected by a fun light up tunnel 
art installation that you can ride on a moving walkway through. In terms of classic art, they have Ginevra da Benci, which is, I believe, the only Leonardo da Vinci painting you can see in the Western Hemisphere. Is that right? I think so. Is is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Listen, this is not a podcast about geography. Um, But yeah, so it's your chance to see a da Vinci here in America, which is super exciting. But also in the modern wing, they just have a ton of stuff. I have to mention the fact that they have one of my favorite artists. Um, they have an installation by my one of my favorite artists in the entryway. Uh, it's called Roof by Andy Goldsworthy. And he does sort of site-specific installations. And it's just something that really makes you think it's these domes built out of uh, slabs of local rock with these like dark black holes in the top of them. It's really cool. It's really interesting to see. They also have a ton of stuff by Calder and some John Singer Sargent, but really it's just like anything you could think of. Vermeer, it's there. You can find it there at the National Gallery. Um, There's way more than you can possibly see in a single trip. So like Rich said with the repeatability factor here, you can keep going back and see more stuff. And they also frequently have special exhibitions, which is also super cool. So yeah, National Gallery, that's uh, that's my number two. Yeah, the National Gallery is fun. I've only been there maybe twice and both times with you. Sounds right. Just for some reason, my school field trips never never went there. And they they were much more... my Also because it's further away from the Smithsonian Metro stop. Oh. So it's a bit of a walk. And yeah. so that used to be the traditional way for us to go into D.C. But yeah, the, the thing that I really enjoy in the National Gallery is uh one the uh alexander calder stuff uh so i'm more of a modern art person than the traditional stuff not that i don't enjoy and and appreciate the the traditional stuff but a lot of that art to me was done in an exercise as to improve which you know that's great and just like a lot of classical music is also written that way as as an exercise uh but uh, it's the modern stuff where really expressionist uh, stuff that really gets me. And I enjoy the Calder mobiles and stuff like that. The yeah. yeah, Goldsworthy is quite an interesting installation, to say the least. I wouldn't say it's my favorite one of his, but it's it's very cool. No, it's not necessarily my favorite either, but it is uh, convenient to get to, which sometimes is all that you can have. I'm dying to get out to the Nelson Atkins Museum in Kansas City, which is one of my favorite museums in the world. Maybe we're going to have a podcast about that some other time. But they have an Andy Goldsworthy installation there. And one of my very, very good friends from college and life after college um, is from there and moved back there. And she actually went one day while he was installing and while he was there. And she had him sign a birthday card for me. And it's just, hello, I have some really good. All right, what do you got? Number two is also going to be an art museum. Uh Uh-oh. It is probably one of the lesser visited ones. And I think you're going to be surprised that it's going to be this one. I am not going to be surprised. Do you want me to guess? Sure. The National Portrait Gallery? No. Oh, no. My, my other guess was going to be, I don't remember what it's called now because they changed the name, which is the Asian American. It is the Freer Gallery. The yeah. The Freer. Okay. Yeah, the Freer Gallery. I enjoy the Freer Gallery. Ga- gallery. The Freer Gallery uh, quite a bit. Peacock Room aside. 
I love the peacock room. The peacock room is the best room. It has its it has its merits. I'll give it that. It's listen. Just because you don't like the color teal doesn't mean you can't appreciate the peacock. Peacock room do, is it does have its have its own beauty to it. What uh the the thing about that museum for me is the collection of John Singer Sargent paintings that they have mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah, he is uh my favorite impressionist artist and probably my favorite American artist. And uh, that was the museum that I fell in love with his work in. And just being just staring at his at his paintings forever on a school trip. And then uh, when I learned that the the uh, Museum of Fine Art in Boston also had a large collection, the first time I went to Boston, I insisted on my friend Margaret, uh, taking me to that museum immediately so that I could see all the John Singer sergeants. There's just something about his work that uh, I find fascinating. Uh, it's You don't typically associate Impressionism with American art, uh, but it was there. And it is uh, interesting because it's portrayals of American life, which drastically looks different than European life, but Impressionist nonetheless and very enjoyable. Yeah. I enjoy it too. I also do very much enjoy the Peacock Room. It looks like they are calling it the Freer Gallery and the Asian American Art Museum. Um, They have removed the name of a donor. I'm not going to say the name because who wants to promote that? Uh, Because he sucks. Um, Purdue Pharma, if you're wondering. It's the guys from Purdue Pharma. The family that owned Purdue Pharma used to have their name on this museum and they've now removed it. Yeah. So good for the Smithsonian's. All right, you want me to go to my number one or you want to take it? I'm worried. I I did not think we would have the same one, but now I don't know based on what your three and twos were. Why don't you go ahead and give your number one? Do you have a guess? I want to say the Hirshhorn. Is there? It is it? Good. Was that your number no. one? The Hirshhorn didn't even make your list? The Hirshhorn, I... The Hirshhorn didn't even make your list? I love the Hirshhorn. I don't want you... It's oh just... My. So the reason why the no, Hirshhorn no, is no, not no, no, on no. my list. No, no, it's not your. Okay, go. Okay. The Hirshhorn is my number one. I love the Hirshhorn so much. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of brutalist architecture, but it is a lovely brutalist donut right there. I also love the fact that every time I go, it's for like some very interesting, very creative exhibit. Um, and I did look up a few that I've seen there. So then I could share them with you all. The first one that I really remember ever seeing there is a series of photographs by Hiroshi Sugimoto, uh, who has also redesigned the lobby area now. But he has two really cool series of photographs that I love. They're both in black and white. One is a series of like oceanscapes. But because they're in black and white, they're just very, very peaceful to look at. The other one is one that I will... I still remember to this day, and I feel like it's been over 10 years since I saw it. Uh, he would go to old-timey theaters that were turned into movie theaters, and he would open the exposure on the camera for the duration of a film. So what you would see was a completely white screen from all the light of the movie that came in, and it was just enough light to reveal the uh, beautiful theater that had been converted into a movie theater around it. And he had a whole series of these theaters, and I love them so much. 
I've also seen at least two Ai Weiwei exhibits there, which are great. You don't often get to see those as well. And they were really cool. And then two more I want to mention. Uh, Rafael Lozano's Hammer Pulse, I think it was called, or Hammer Pulse. I think I may have miswritten it in my notes, so now I'm not sure. And that was a really cool... Uh, oh, no, I got it. It was Rafael Lozano Hammer. And the exhibit was pulse. There you go. I got there. I got there. It was really cool. Um, one of the coolest interactive things was that they had this one big section of the museum, which is round. Um, and the whole ceiling was full of light bulbs. And you could stand at the front and hold on to these two metal handles. And the lights would begin flashing in time with the beating of your heart. Yes. And then the one light bulb would keep your pulse and the light bulb before it would keep the person before its pulse. Yeah. It was and really... it would flash and then come back in and focus in on the next person and so on. And it was a. Yeah. I find it really interesting that you can make art that without people doesn't exist in some ways. I find that really fascinating. And then I can't not talk about Yayoi Kusama. And the infinity rooms and also just her work in general with the giant pumpkin they still have outside which is lovely they currently have an exhibition of her stuff going on which i'm dying to get to and hopefully we'll be able to um again timed tickets hard to get still free though so i just love yayu kusama kusama i love that the hershwin brings all these artists into my life in ways that I wouldn't get to see their work otherwise. And yeah, they also have a pretty cool permanent collection. Like I said, the lobby was recently redesigned. Um, and yeah, they just have a lot of cool stuff there. It's always something interesting. It's always something fun at the Hirshhorn. And I am shocked, sir, shocked that this was not even on your list. So I'm dying to hear your number okay, one. so the Hirshhorn is not on my list simply because I, I feel like it's more of an exhibit gallery, which is, and it's fine. I love going to everything that we go they to at the Hirshhorn. They do have a permanent collection, and I like their permanent collection, including the, the, the giant diorama of the Gettysburg battlefield that they've strapped bungee cords to and is slowly ripping it apart. I don't know if that's still there. Uh, yeah. Okay. I thought that was a permanent installation, but maybe not. But uh, I thought that was a very interesting uh, work. But the Hirshhorn, you know, I enjoy going to the Hirshhorn. I will go out of my way to get to the Hirshhorn. But the reason why it's not my number one is that when I have someone from out of town, that is not the museum I make sure they get to. I know, I know. You make sure they get to... The Museum of American History. Yeah. Not on my list. It's, no, and that's and that's fine. You're not the like into history as much as I am, and I mean they do have a lot of really cool like pop culturey stuff, which is more my. And that's the reason why I love that museum is that it has something for everyone. It has something for the amateur historian. It has something for the professional historian, and it has something for the casual tourist that goes, "Oh, cool! That's that's Julia Child's kitchen." Oh, cool! That's Kermit the Frog, or oh, cool! That's I do love Kermit. That's Dorothy's red slippers. You know, there's no place like home. Yeah, I don't think the red slippers are on display anymore. I think but... they are because they just remodeled a gallery. I actually like just got a big yeah. splash about it. And I got to tour their library with my job, and that was one of the coolest libraries I've visited 
because of its collection, not because of how it looked. Like everybody goes, ooh, look at the fancy. No, this was a cold, industrial-looking library. But its collection was all over the place. And it has one of the most fascinating special collections in the library. And that is it has a collection of manuals and traveling salesman sample catalogs. And it is the most fascinating stuff. They just pull out, like, look, these carpet samples from the 50s. Or, like, they they had, like, demo, like, miniature demo irons and stuff like that that, that the traveling salesman would, would carry around with them to demonstrate to the lady of the house as they would come around the cell. Um, but also, if you come across something really old that you're trying to repair or get working again you can contact them and they will check their library to see if they have the manual and they will send you a copy of it can we somehow get them to like turn into the repair shop that would be incredible Um, and so that They've was gotta have a bunch of crazy conservators there oh, to do all sorts of work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we're not even talking about the giant one that they have. And that is the original star spangled banner. Yeah. Uh, that they, is a sight to see. and they did an incredible job of restoring the flag and telling the story of restoring the flag and then telling the story of the flag itself about how the flag just wasn't seen as special for a very long time and then the flag suddenly became iconic and they started touring with the flag and they would sell pieces of the flag (laughs) and just give pieces of the flag to people and they painstakingly found some of it and they put the flag back together and they've cleaned it and you walk in to the dark room And, like, you go down this hallway and there's, like, things to read about it and stuff like that. But then you turn the corner and then there is this just massive American flag. And it doesn't matter how you feel about this country or anything like that. You get this sense of pride when you come around to it. And then me being from Baltimore and knowing the flag was sewn in Baltimore by Mary Pickersgill and flew over Fort McHenry, which was, you know, a place of my childhood. It holds a special, special little place. And then they have, they have just great American oddities too, like the original design of the Washington monument Mm. and where it's George Washington in a toga sitting on a chair, like a Greek God. It's very weird. weird. And then they have a recreation of like, right. And they have like a recreation of like the hallways of the white house and, and stuff to go through. And so it's a great place to take visitors from out of town, uh, that it's, it's like a showpiece of the Smithsonian, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. And I understand that. I also think it's important to mention that it's not all rah-rah America stuff. They do have like a recreation or an actual, it might be an actual lunch counter from Alabama as part of the civil rights Yeah, they movement. have the Woolworths. It's an actual Woolworths yeah, an actual, lunch okay. counter. Yeah. I feel like you can sit at it, though. I think that's why I was like, is it a recreation or a real one? I feel like they literally let you sit at it. Maybe the seats are not real. Um, but yeah, they do have that type of history of America as well in there. So it is, I do take people there. 
Is that where the Hope Diamond is? Or am I confusing that with something? I feel like that's in the Natural History Museum. Oh, that's probably in the Natural History Museum. That makes more sense. Okay, so we've come to the end. I do have one honorable mention. Did you have any honorable mention? Yes. What do you got? First honorable mention is the the Museum of African American History and Culture. Yeah, Yeah. I really almost put that on my list. Yeah, that museum is, is a sight to behold and is spectacular. And as a white person going there, boy, it shakes you up. But then at the same time, just like the American History Museum, it has the cool stuff too. So it has Isaac Hayes' UFO and, not Isaac Hayes, but uh, Parliament Funkadelic's UFO and George from George Clinton uh, from that tour. And it's got a bunch of other like uh, historic black rock and roll and soul music uh memorabilia and stuff and plus it has a cool listening room where you can just listen to recordings and 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 stuff like that and but the 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 long walk in that museum the the winding where it starts you in 1609 in jamestown Mm -hmm. and it walks you all the way up through the civil rights and into current day is an extremely moving experience and it's tiring and it's intentionally tiring. Yeah, I really feel like I need to go back, um, potentially at a time when it's less crowded, because there was a lot that I feel like I didn't get to entirely see because it was so crowded. Like, I feel like I didn't really get to spend time with the Emmett Till monument and yeah. section of the museum there. But there is so much there. Um, I also have an honorable mention and... It's kind of an honorable mention because it costs money, which is a rarity in D.C. We found a museum that costs money. Um, And I feel like Rich isn't going to like this one because it is rotating exhibit and it is Art Tech House. Oh, I do like Art Tech House as well. Okay. Well, it's very nice. It does cost money. There is a bar, though, so you can spend some time there. They have different digital art exhibits um, that rotate through, not on like a super quick basis, but it's... The screens are so big with the digital art that it's really fascinating to go there and be in that room. If you've been to things like any artist's exhibit, like how they do the Van Gogh immersive or anything like that, honestly, they all kind of pale in comparison to what you get immersed in when you're in Art Tech House. Yeah, because it's original art, too. Yeah, and designed for that type of space and environment and, and all that stuff. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't technically have another honorable mention, but there was one that I thought long and hard about. Um, and that was the Museum of the American Indian. Mm, because, I not been to that one. oh, yeah. The architecture of the building yeah. is wonderful. The food court is wonderful. Highly recommend. Um, and then, yeah, just it's the only thing that I don't like is that they have a lot of, I want to call them like dioramas type of things with like life-size figures and I that's just something that gets under my skin a little bit um I'd rather just I understand why they do it I just it's just not as much for me but I love seeing all of the artifacts and things like that and I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the International Spy Museum okay I was gonna ask if you had any stinkers and my stinker was the spy museum but tell me why you like it well, I like it because it is fun and it has interactive exhibits. And but there's I can I can understand because it it, it suffers from one it's of my pet, one of my pet peeves. I was going to ask you if you had museum pet peeves. 
I mean, I guess that's probably why I put this on my like stinker list. It's not a bad museum. I haven't been to it since it reopened in its new space. But honestly, it's just like, it's too much. It's too much. I can't understand where to go and what to do. It's so crowded. You can't read the things because it's covering so much um, history and gadgets and everything. And then James Bond cars sometimes of the spy genre. It gets very, very challenging to understand what's happening. Yeah, by the time you get to like the Cold War stuff, you're just like, I'm just going to walk right through this. Yeah, I just need, I'll look at the big things and I'll keep moving. Yeah. Um, But it is, there is some fun stuff in there. And so that's why I wouldn't quite call it a stinker. That was the hard part. I didn't really have any like real stinkers. Like I would never tell somebody not to go if they were interested in spy stuff. What, um, did you have any pet peeve? So my museum pet peeve is I hate museums and exhibits in general that don't show the actual artifact, but a recreation or something very similar or something from from another site that is similar to it or something like that. I don't like that. I like I want auth- as much authenticity as possible in my exhibit. And I mean even the exhibits at where I work at the state house in Maryland is is guilty of doing this to where they'll they'll they have like cardboard or like a poster board like versions of original documents and not like the original document on display. And I understand that you don't want to possibly do that because you got to preserve the thing. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to look at that. And like a lot of the national park sites that we go to, the visitor centers are also guilty of having that kind of thing. Yeah, and we might have to have a discussion about historic houses in a future episode because that is also something like if you go to a historic house, but everything's just like furniture of the time. It just doesn't hit at home as much. Like, yeah, it's still is meaningful it still shows you how people lived in that time but it doesn't necessarily right. tell you a lot about what actually happened in that house yeah so um, that that's my big that's that's the thing that kind of drives me nuts is when like oh you think that you're looking at the real thing and then suddenly the last line of the paragraph that you're reading is like the, it resembled something like this like or like this is a recreate like oh. yeah All right, I do want to wrap us up here. We're coming to the end of our time. I did want to give a shout out to Sheila for sharing with us that um, she does say that Dennis Haysbert from 24 was her favorite fictional president from our last episode. And so she gives me some kudos, even though I only had him as a wild card. I feel like that's probably a common opinion. Um, But I also want to mention that she also feels that Deep Impact is a better movie than Armageddon and wanted to make sure that opinion was known. So thanks for listening, Sheila, and thanks for sharing that with us. Absolutely. And if you've been to Washington, D.C., please let us know what museums you enjoyed. Did we leave something off the list? Did we skip something? And I'll tell you, the Air and Space Museum, actually. Before we get into oh, no. anything, the Air and Space Museum is very guilty of my big pet peeve. Uh oh. Uh, of the uh, this is a replica, this isn't the real, this isn't you know kind of thing, and so that's why I enjoy. I don't like the Air and Space Museum that's in downtown DC. Also shocking that he didn't list that as one of his tops, and now I know why. Yeah, the the I actually. Plus, plus, it suffers from the spy museum issue to where it's just so crowded you can't see the stuff. Uh, I far and away 
enjoy more the Udvar Hazi uh, extension of the Air and Space Museum that's out by Dulles Airport. But it is it's a f- not in the DC. not in the DC, so I couldn't put that on the list because I it probably would have been said in. It cannot be on your list. Yeah, I know. I know. You can't get it in under the wire, Rich. I'm trying not to, but. <laughs> That that one is is a far superior experience in my opinion, just because everything there is authentic. It's all real, and you can just look at the real airplanes. Yeah, and sometimes you're really concerned your child's gonna run under the uh, and touch the bar space shuttle. And touch the space shuttle. You never know. Because <laughs> he almost did. Almost did. Almost touched it. All right, y'all. I think that wraps us up for today. Like Rich said, please feel free to let us know if you've been to a great museum in D.C. And if you have any other categories that you'd like to hear us discuss uh, and come up with our tops of, uh, please also feel free to let us know. We appreciate any comments. and. You know, we may need to do an overtime on this one to where we discuss our favorite D.C. museum cafes. That's like a whole another, <laughs> whole another thing. We have so much. Add it to the bad idea list. Yeah, we'll put that. Right, <laughs> favorite museum cafes in general. That'd be fun. Or gift shops. Oh, obviously. oh, gift shops. Is that a good one? That's oh, good. that's a good one too. Those are all good ones. Yeah. All right, everybody. Signing off for So Top. This is your co-host Bryn. And this is your co-host Rich. See you later. Next time we can. <laughs> <laughs>